Hello, baby. Want a kiss? Welcome to the Experimental Film Podcast with your host, Ken Hess. Teaching a parakeet to talk is fun, but the old method took too much time and patience. This record is specially designed to teach any healthy, normal parakeet to talk by using a scientific new method that is acknowledged to be far superior because a carefully trained voice, specially chosen for excellence in clarity and diction, repeats over and 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 over the same words, the same phrase, in a manner that most parakeets are most likely to imitate. Check experimentalfilm.info for information, interviews, and episodes. For the next few seconds, this record will be silent. This podcast is dedicated exclusively to experimental film and its makers. Welcome, everyone, to Season 2, Episode 1 of the Experimental Film Podcast. Today's guest is Eden Pogue. Eden is an experimental filmmaker behind Everywhere at the End of Time and Cyclical Dream Birth, known for creating flicker, static, and digitalized analog video art. Welcome to the Experimental Film Podcast, Eden. Hey. Hey, I'm glad to have you on. Um, uh, glad to be here. Let's have you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and your work. Um, my, my name is Eden. I'm a uh... A, fil- a filmmaker. I've made one feature film, and I've got another one coming out in a few weeks. Here, um, I like using eight millimeter and static elements to create like existential and cerebral slow cinema. That's about what I can say. You know, your film uh, "Everywhere at the End of Time" was well is is a feature length film. It's like an hour and 44 minutes long, correct? Yes. And how would you categorize that? Is that found film or found footage or how would you describe it? Um, it's in a way found footage because none of the uh, footage is mine, but it's all heavily edited. So again, like the digitalized analog term that I use because it's a mix of someone else's uh, analog footage. and my- digitalized uses right and it's what i think um like craig baldwin he's kind of a a famous filmmaker who i interviewed last season he calls these collage films what you do it's found footage Mm -hmm. but it also collages multiple scenes and multiple conversations really going on at the same time how did you come up with this idea um Forever at the End of Time, it was inspired by an album by the caretaker of the exact same name. And I pretty much just took the album and the concepts and ideas behind it and just condensed it into something more uh, edible, I guess, and like something you could take in in an hour as opposed to six hours. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I I thought I recognized that name everywhere at the end of time and then um, realized it was from the album and I thought okay that was your inspiration but I wanted to be sure because you never know mm-hmm. and what is yeah, the uh, what did you say I'm sorry go ahead I said the movie uses um, uh, songs and pieces and art from the album like throughout right um, so for cyclical dream birth uh, tell us a little bit about that one so cyclical dream birth is a movie that i've been editing just kind of in the background among some narrative stuff it follows the same sort of formula 
with analog and digitalized video being mixed together. And the, uh, the plot description says, a celestial being is born into a world of her own creation only to become dissatisfied and destroy it. Interesting. So how did you come up with this idea? That one came from just like a bunch of different movies I had been seeing at the at the time. Specifically, Rainer Kohlberger's uh, it "Has to Be Lived Once and Dreamed Twice," which I've seen four times now over the course of the last few weeks, and it's been a major inspiration on that. How did you get into filmmaking? Um, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I would say, was like a big thing for me when I was like uh, eight or nine or ten those ages and then from there with the more sci-fi elements of those like guardians of the galaxy that's when i decided to watch uh, 2001 space odyssey and 2001 space odyssey kind of showed me more like different types of movies um so i'd say 2001 space odyssey and the marvel cinematic universe kind of both of those got me into filmmaking yeah, 2001 A Space Odyssey is an excellent film. I love that. I've seen it multiple times, and that is that is a good inspiration. If you if you need a jumping-off place, that's a pretty good one because I would say yeah. that it's pretty experimental. I mean, nothing has ever been done quite like that before, and I'm not sure anything's been done like that since. It's, it's definitely something of its own breed. Yeah, it's pretty cool. There was very little dialogue in that movie but the sequel to it which i think was like uh 2010 or something like that mm-hmm. um it was it was very heavily dialogue driven so um it was quite different quite different times and and very different um feel to the films so um what was it about that particular film or was it the director that inspired you so uh, it wasn't that one in particular. Well, part of it was that one because it's slower, more like thoughty, cerebral. It made me think, which is something very few films at the time that I had seen had done to me. And just the the fact that it's a lot more like artistic than something like um, like Ant Man or Toy Story or whatever I had been watching at the time. You're right. That one is very cerebral, and that's exactly the way I would describe it. And here's a funny thing for our audience. Um, the, for the listeners out there, Eden talked about being eight, nine, ten years old watching movies. Eden has something very special about them that uh, they want you to know. And what is that? Um, I'm not entirely sure what that is. Uh, You're 13? Uh, I turned 14 like a week ago, so happy birthday to me. Um, there you go. <laughs> yes, Eden is 14 years old and has already completed a feature-length film and is working on now his cyclical dream birth. Is that another feature-length or is that a short film? Um, it's it's feature-length. I would kind of call it a mini-series because it's split in three parts, but it's all released at the same time. Ah. So see, that's that's still something that I haven't done myself is create a feature length film. For some reason, that uh, length of film kind of scares me off. I know there are some people who spend their entire careers in short film, and mm-hmm. but some people are just drawn to feature length automatically. So that's that's very commendable. I think that someone your age could uh, actually put together a feature length film. I'm not sure I have the uh, attention span for it, but I, I applaud your effort. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate it. So 
Um, are you very interested in experimental film or, I mean, how, I mean, how does someone get into experimental film? I mean, that's a, that's a weird thing to get into, especially for someone. And I hate to keep bringing your age into it, but for, for someone young, it seems like a very odd thing to be into is experimental film, especially something as you described cerebral, like 2001, a space odyssey and to create this extended time everywhere at the end of time film that's feature length. I mean, that's, it's very anti, it's a very anti young person. If you get my drift, you know, short attention span, uh, you know, it just doesn't, it just doesn't ring true for the normal, I guess, uh, I, I say normal for the average person out there. That's, it's a very unusual thing. I think, tell us, tell us a little bit about that. Well, um, this is, uh, Kind of an interesting story, but the movie yesterday, the Danny Boyle one that came out in 2019, the one about the Beatles. So uh, I go and see that with my grandma and my dad. And at the end of the screening, we go out there and my dad is talking about, oh, there's this song on the White Album um, where it's like John Lennon. He says the word number nine over and over and over for like a 20 minutes straight. And I was like, that, that sounds interesting. So I give it a listen and it opened up like this entire new world of like um, art because that's a sound collage song and it's really long. It's longer than everything else on the album. Uh, it's got all these different things going on in it. There's no like uh, real lyrics or melody or rhythm or anything like that. And from there, it had, uh, kind of opened up like a world of um, like experimental art and whatnot and then i watched this movie sleep hazard house which is very good and from there i realized there's like movies um as well the same like experimental and collage genre so that kind of brought me into that sort of world very cool so do you think that you're going to continue with experimental uh filmmaking or do you think that you're going to evolve into mainstream films or even music videos um um, I kind of want to do like a mix of both. Um, I'm working on a narrative film right now called Memento Mori uh, that I'm going to make for like a few hundred dollars. So I do want to do narrative things, but I do want to keep some of that experimentalism because I do love it a lot. So a mix of both. Oh, very nice. So uh, just in case anybody wants to know, um, your parents are very supportive of your filmmaking and your exploration in this area, correct? Yeah. How did they feel about it? Or, or what was their reaction when you created Everywhere at the End of Time and Cyclical Dream Birth and, and the other projects you're working on? What's what's their reaction to that? Well, um, going back to the beginning. So the first movie uh, I ever did was a slasher and it was called No Soul. And they were supportive of it, but they did think it was um, violent and not very child-friendly. And they've always been supportive. I edited ever at the end of time on my mom's laptop, and she let me use it. So they've always been uh, very supportive of that type of stuff. And they bought me a camera, and yeah. Are your parents into filmmaking or watching films at all? my mom isn't like very much of a consumer of media if, if that makes any sense but my dad 
my dad likes some more artistic films, the Coen Brothers and Christopher Nolan and th- things like that, Bong Joon-ho. Uh, my dad wanted to be a documentary filmmaker for a while, and he did almost make a documentary. So, yeah. Wow, that's very cool. You know, it's never too late to make a documentary or, or actually any film. I know filmmakers of all age ranges from yourself being the youngest I've ever spoken with to, um, you know, filmmakers in their 70s and 80s. So um, I don't think it's ever too late or, you know, anything like that, because even people starting out for the first time in their, you know, 40s or 50s or whatever, you know, they can they can make an impact. It just all depends on the, the subject. So encourage him to continue that. He might need mm-hmm. you as an inspiration. His idea uh, was really interesting. So he's a lawyer and he kind of heard about this case a few years back about these teenagers who he thinks murdered a homeless man. And there's no proof that they actually, well, there's a lot of proof that they did it, but they haven't been like, uh, like uh, punished for that at all. And he wanted to make a documentary about that whole case and how they were punished. Well, that's interesting. That's almost like um, the book by um, Truman Capote called In Cold Blood. And then they actually made a movie of that kind of has that feel to it almost, you know, um, you know, crime type stuff, but that falls in Mm -hmm. line with him being an attorney, I guess. So that, that's pretty interesting. Can't say I've ever heard of um, In Cold Blood, but it did give me the same vibes as uh, Dear Zachary, A Letter to a Son About His Father. It's one of my favorite documentaries. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Well, you should encourage him to do it. Heck, wouldn't that be cool to uh, even, you know, you could partner up and and make Mm -hmm. a film with him. So anyway, I'm going to encourage you guys to do that. (laughs) So who... Are your inspirations, who, which filmmakers, I know in the initial contact, you mentioned some filmmakers. Um, tell our audience, who inspires you? Um, for inspirations, my number one, like a uh, big boy inspiration is um, either, I, I don't really know how to pronounce it. It's either Jonas or Jonas Mekas. Um, I love all of his movies. I have a few of them on DVD. I've seen um, a million bajillion times. Um, so he's a big one. And then um, Chantal Ackerman and Harmony Corrine. I love them a lot. Yeah, the Mechas brothers are definitely inspirations for a lot of experimental filmmakers. Uh, Christopher Nolan is a big inspiration for a lot of people. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other people. A lot of people in experimental film point to Maya Darren because she was big in the 1940s uh, for experimental film. Um, Barbara Hammer is another one. Uh, there's a lot of good people out there to take inspiration from, but I would I would definitely say the you know the Cohen brothers and the Mechas brothers are are definitely at the the top of the list for me as well. <laughs> I still need to see a lot of those. I haven't seen any of the Maya Darren movies. I've been needing to see Messes of the Afternoon for months and months on end. For some reason, I haven't gotten around to it. Um, yeah, that's um, a that's a really good one. That one's that one's interesting. You'll have to let me know what you think of that one. Um, she did several. There was um, one called Atland, uh, The Divine Horseman, uh, Witch's Cradle, Meshes of the Afternoon, of course. Which a lot of people find that one interesting, but they don't know what it's about. They just they know they like it, and I want you to watch it 
before you know you decide what it's about i mean i know i know what it's about but i want to get your feeling in it without being prejudiced by my opinion of it or anything i I think some of her films are very interesting but that one really stands out as a, a probably one of the most important films in experimental film history that one, I I also don't want to like taint how I look at it until I watch it. But I have heard some things about like what it's supposed to mean and whatnot. But I am very excited to see that one. And after the show, I'll pop it on. You're listening to the Experimental Film Podcast with Ken Hess. And now back to the show. Yeah, I think you can find it on YouTube and some other places. But um, if you, you know, if you Google her or go into YouTube and and look, I think you can find. I know Atland is there and um, maybe some others. But she did some interesting things in her movies, kind of groundbreaking. Um, and you'll just have to see. Uh, Meshes of the Afternoon is an excellent place to start with her or any of the, I guess. I don't want to call them mature filmmakers, but um, certainly influential filmmakers of the time. I mean, really, experimental film started as soon as as soon as cinema started back in the uh, very early 1900s with um, Trip to the Moon. Have you ever seen that one? I have. It's been a few years, but I remember liking it. Yeah, A Trip to the Moon was very. I don't know if they considered it experimental at the time, but it, it as it turns out, it was it was pretty cool and very experimental. Um, but anyway, enough of, of that. Let me ask you some questions about you and your work. Um, are you involved with any other filmmakers or film groups or meetups or other film-related activities? Um, well, I'm holding a microfest right now called VLIF, which the horrible title, but stands for the Virtual Letterbox International Film Festival. And I've got some people I've spoken to a couple of times in there. I've got some younger folks that I've had as like close um, online friends that have made a few films. I love that idea. That's really cool. What do you call it? A micro festival? Yeah. Oh, that's very cool. I like that. I actually run a film festival myself. Uh, it's called the Experimental Film Fest. I don't know. I, I maybe I told you about it earlier in an email or something. But yeah. um, last year was the first year. This year is second year, and submissions are actually open. And we have, uh, gosh, almost fifty so far. I think I haven't checked today what the total is, but um, it's it's almost fifty. So I'm pretty happy with that response so far. And strangely enough, I have a lot of films submitted by filmmakers who submitted last year so that's kind of interesting that they enjoyed the the festival and the and you know my interaction with them so much that they would uh submit again this year so i hope that says something (laughs) i did want to ask about the festival uh is there you said there's a time limit Uh, may i ask uh what is that time limit yeah it's 15 ish minutes i said um it's actually anything from I guess one second up to 20 minutes. Uh, I, I put a hard stop at 20 minutes and I'll tell you why I didn't last year. I did not have a time limit and I had too many films that were too long to actually, uh, you know, for one, my venue because of the COVID 
pandemic was, I was very early in the pandemic when I actually had the festival and um, the festival was originally in April and I just couldn't find a venue who would let me use it. You know, um, no one wanted to allow me to, to be there three days in a row. They wouldn't allow me to be there more than like three or four hours at a time. So there were a lot of restrictions last year. And so this year I thought, well, I don't know how things are going to pan out for the, um, the, the COVID virus. So, you know, I, I had to shorten it because I, I just didn't know. Now next year I'll probably open it back up to be unlimited time again so that people can submit things that are more than 20 minutes long. Well, that's, uh, that's good to know. Uh, I had that issue myself. Well, I'm not like physically holding it. I'm going to, I'm going to stream it over Twitch for my festival, but I received a three and a half hour long film. I've been dreading watching it uh, because I, I don't do good with long movies. Oh, that's funny. Cause the longest one I got was, um, seems like it was about an hour and 10 minutes. So it wasn't quite that, that long, but, uh, wow. Three and a half hours. That's, uh, that's quite a commitment for anybody. <laughs> so um, what are you working on now again? You, you told us before, but uh, go ahead and tell us again what you're working on now, whether it's one film or, or multiple projects that you can speak about. Well, um, I am working on an experimental feature film called Cyclical Dream Birth. And it's a, it's a flicker mix. It's flicker and static and archive footage. Um, all mixed together and then also a narrative film dark comedy quirky sort of thing called memento mori so how can someone uh, watch your films or get in contact with your work is there do you have a website or a vimeo or um, something i have a youtube channel uh it's called blood mountain productions um and all of my stuff is there very cool oh uh, let's see if you were uh, and this is a kind of an, an interesting question that someone actually asked me in an interview once. If you were given an unlimited budget to make a film, what would you do? Have you thought about that? I, I have. Um, I've thought about this question quite a bit. And what I think I would do is it would be a documentary where I would pretty much, it'd be like um, the Kotsky trilogy or the Koyaanisqatsky, those movies. Um, but it would be one film and it'd be a lot longer and it would pretty much be, um, I'd like flight around the entire world where there's these expansive landscape shots and talking to like the locals and higher ups and pretty much just like a view of the entirety of humanity, um, in one, one film. So when you talk about flicker and static for the audience members, who might be listening, who don't know what those are. Could you kind of give a, a little bit of a definition or an overview of Flickr and static and, and maybe even an example? That is hard to do, but the way I describe it is like any film using strobe lights or like rapid color images. I mean, with static, it's like a broken analog technology being um, exploited for film uses and a good example of that is Tony Conrad's uh, the, the Flicker, a very, very accurate title, um, where it's just alternating black and white frames ran over the camera. Um, it's pretty much just creating that like Flicker headache um, effect. Right. I think Stan Brackage did some of that in some of his movies. And I think um, 
Uh, I'm trying to think of some of the other people who have done it, but yeah, that's that's kind of a uh, classic experimental film technique. Now, yeah. st static is that also what old school used to call glitch films? Uh, yeah, I'd kind of put those in the same camp. Yeah, I thought that was probably uh, where you were going with that. Yeah, glitch films. People love to to do those. They'll take, um, you know, one of the techniques is to take a film and glitch it, or use static, or even overlay it with um, old VCR static or, or scrolling frames or something. So yeah, that that's pretty interesting. So where do you think you're going to go with your filmmaking? Have you thought about that at all? I, I have quite a bit. And right now I'm kind of just like, since I'm so young and I'm not like all the way there um, mentally because I'm so young, I kind of just want to like kind of do what I'm doing get in contact with people and kind of talk, but be open to different opportunities and paths in case I change my mind about anything in the future. Now, does your school offer, I mean, I don't know, um, you know, what the offerings are these days in schools. Does your school offer anything like a filmmaking class or an opportunity for you to explore this at school for credit? Oh man, I, I wish uh, there was something like that. They, my language arts teacher in seventh grade did a lot of video projects because she liked them. So I did get opportunities like that in class. Um, but my school doesn't do anything like specifically devoted to that. Well, that's a bummer. Do you do any other visual arts like painting or photography or anything? Um, no, uh, I, I like to draw, but I don't like publicly release. And I've tried doing like film performance art, but... I, I didn't release that either. When you create a film, do you do an outline or a, a concept? Do you I mean, do you write something up or, or is it just kind of free form organic? I mean, it seems like, and I'll tell you why I'm asking this question. It seems like a lot of young filmmakers, and I mean people, teens, 20s, 30s, actually really go deep into explanations and analysis. And I've noticed this is a new trend. And maybe it's always been a trend. I just didn't realize it. But I've noticed that younger filmmakers really go deep into intellectualism in their films. I mean, is that is that kind of where you go as well? Or, or like I asked, is it more organic? As far as like, just like the planning and the plot with my narrative films, what I will do is I'll write out um, like my idea, where I want the story to begin, where I want it to end. Because I, I always know that when I have an idea. And then I fill everything in. And then I figure, I, I run through like anything that I like in a movie think is good. Um, like a editing standpoint, like how I want it to look, how I want it to sound, feel, etc. Once I've got all of that, I can kind of piece the scenes together one by one. And then I write a script. And, and then I kind of pick apart the script and rewrite it. And then I storyboard it. And with the experimental things, it's it's a lot like less intensive. I will, I'll get an idea. I'll, I'll know like what I want to say with with it as far as like thematics, and I I know where I want to start it. I know where I want to end it, and maybe I'll have some something in between there about like um, some scenes or songs or something like that. Yeah, that's like how I plan my stuff before I actually put it together. Unbelievable. And let me tell you, that's that's pretty advanced. How did you, or where did you learn this from? 
Uh, I like to listen to a lot of my favorite like filmmakers, and then there's lovely YouTube channels like back before I like started making my own films. I would watch a lot of Film Riot and um, Royal Ocean Film Society um, and a couple of other YouTube channels, D4 Darius, and those people uh, help me get an idea of like how to put a film together. And there's also some books. Um, that uh, helped a lot. Uh, Robert Rodriguez, Rebel Without a Crew. Um, and then um, a kind of, that one's pretty popular. But uh, also the book uh, Filmmaking for Teens by uh, Troy Lanner. It's pretty um, like basic stuff, but it is useful to know. Yeah, I've, I've actually watched D for Darius too. Uh, he's pretty cool. I like him. He does a lot of... Uh, you know, how to shoot a short film, how to shoot short films by yourself on YouTube. He's got a good channel. I like, I like his work. So yeah, that's interesting. Um, you know, I don't think, and I, I'm always embarrassed to say this, <laughs> but I don't think at, you know, at any age <laughs> that I was that, that advanced. I'm, I'm very impressed with you guys, uh, you and, and other young filmmakers. And I, you know, just like, um, the young lady I interviewed first uh, last season, her name is Emma Panaz Eisner. I think she's. I, I listened to that episode a few times. Yeah. Um, I watched. Was she the person who did? Um, oh my goodness, what was it called? Um, Three o'clock with Dr. Harlow? Yeah, that one. I liked that one a lot. Yeah, that one's very cool. She and I discussed that one at length. And man, just like I'm telling you, I mean, she, you know does like a genius analysis of all her films. And I, I just didn't have that. I'm not sure if I still have that with my films. I mean, I, you know, like everybody else, I come up with an idea. I have a concept. I kind of make a uh, bubble of an idea around it. You know, things I want to happen in the film or, or effects I want to apply and, and so on. But I don't think I have this deep-seated analysis that you guys have and i'm very impressed with that i really i really enjoy uh watching films that i know they're very well thought out it's 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 definitely appreciated i think people who watch films for their aesthetic qualities really appreciate that kind of in-depth analysis and thought behind the process i mean is that something that you enjoy doing yeah, a, a big major portion of the film for me is like actually like putting it together. But sometimes at some point I would want to try like completely throwing all of that planning out the window because a lot of my favorite filmmakers like a Stan Brackage to a degree, Jonas Mekis, um, and to a degree Harmony Korean really don't like plan what they're shooting. They kind of just like put their stuff down and shoot it and figure it out in the editing room, which I really admire. Yeah. I mean, the organic process is pretty cool, but I'll tell you, it's going to be hard for you to do that since you're one of these analytical people who go in depth. I mean, it seems like there, there are people who, you know, they throw paint on the wall and it's art and other people, you know, sketch and draw and plan and measure. And then that's art. So it's it's kind of interesting how that works out. There there seems to be multiple camps in that way. Yeah. So do you have any other thoughts for our audience uh, about filmmaking or being a young filmmaker? Um, as far as just like uh, filmmaking in general, if you haven't made a film and you want to, 
definitely get out there and, and get on that. It doesn't matter like how long it is or even if it's any good, just like go ahead and do it. I really appreciate you coming on today. Hope to see some more of your work in the future. And hey, if you come up with another project that you want to talk about, please contact me and we'll get you on the podcast again. Alrighty. Um, it was great. It was great coming on um, to do this. I appreciate it a lot. No problem. Thank you. And thank you for joining us today for this first episode of season two of the Experimental Film Podcast. Our guest today was Eden Pogue, who is an experimental filmmaker. Please contact me if you'd like to schedule an interview, sponsor the podcast, or point me to some cool experimental films. And we'll see you next time. If you would like to sponsor a podcast or schedule an interview, send an email to ken at experimentalfilm.info. Thanks for listening to the Experimental Film Podcast with Ken Hess.